Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. Welcome to the Beachside CEO. Let me say I am so sorry that I literally, sorry, I'm just late to the show, man. It's been a storm out. My daughter's car would not start, so I just flat got behind the eight ball. And you know what? Sometimes that just happens. So we are starting the show just a tad late. But for all of you that are hanging out, this is going to be fun. We are starting a a really a brand new a brand new series that I'm excited about because it's it's going to dig into the what it takes to change us. And this might be one that that some of you wonder what happens. Because when we are looking at ourselves, especially in network marketing, and this is going to focus on a story, a, a journey that a man took to change himself personally. But I believe that when you look at this and you look at it correctly, you'll start to see that we can be the change. And that in and of itself is what really makes makes us different. Because it doesn't matter if it's network marketing. It doesn't matter if it's your career uh, in something else. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't even matter if it's your personal life. You have the ability to change. And, and here's why. And I think this is the fun part about this. Is that if God, in, in my case, and this is my belief coming through, if God gives us the free will to make decisions, then we, in and of ourselves, get to decide, do I want to be a dull, negative, disillusioned crybaby? Do I want to be a dictatorial, you know, monster? Or do I want to be a servant leader? Do I want to lead people? And we're going to learn a little bit. This book is beautiful. It's Being the Change, Inspired to Win in Network Marketing. It's by my good friend, one of my mentors, Ken Dunn. And in this book, Ken talks about how seven different world leaders inspired him to change. Now, we're talking about a kid that, it's interesting because our lives parallel. And because we've, I've seen so much parallel in our lives, when, when Ken and I started getting really close, I started listening to what he had to say because I wanted to learn from him. I wanted to find out, okay, if he was able to do this, then I should be able to do this, and I bet I can learn something. And I was able to. Ken started out as a as a young 18 years old, joined the military, became a cop, was one of the youngest undercover detectives working drugs and sex cases. I was 18 years old, joined the Marine Corps, became a bounty hunter, and dealt with those types of people on a day-to-day basis. Ken ended up working all kinds of undercover cases and, and then eventually worked into corporate fraud and, and Ponzi schemes. And then he started on this entrepreneurial track that led him to network marketing. And it was interesting as he shares his story, and we're going to cover this today. He says, my journey. And the journey I think that we all start out on is, is probably pretty similar uh, I guess we could call them rags to riches stories because when you really get down to it, if we believe what the politicians say, there's only two percent of the population in America anyway that are 
filthy rich that were born with silver spoons in the mouth. The rest of everybody had to bust their butt and work for it. So that's how Ken was. That's how I was. I can remember growing up in, in what would probably be classified a lower middle class family. My dad was a, a blue-collar gangster, I mean a blue-collar worker, worked for the union, you know, and, and was a trucker and, and worked with Teamsters and built himself up to what he was. And, and eventually we, our stature came up in the world and we became a, a middle-class family with lower middle-class debt all over the place. Then we became what some people would call upper middle class, and we had more debt. Things like that just kind of happen. It's kind of crazy, and that's how Ken was. Here he is, a cop, making $100,000 a year because of his undercover work, spending $125,000 a year, starting some side businesses, got into the silver import business and, and imported in a couple $3 million, started a a landscaping company to take care of condos and, and made some money, but then that took away from his family and his time and got into the mortgage business and made five, six million dollars and no time for family. We're all that way. Then he had a friend talk to him about network marketing. And Ken had always dreamed, just like most of us have dreamed, of a better life. And in network marketing, a lot of times people – it's not really network marketing. Actually, in, a, in any kind of home business, in any kind of person's life, you can be fishing. And you start thinking about, man, if I could just win some of these bass tournaments. If I could just, if I could just get a better way of life for my family. This meant a lot to me because I remember in the 90s before we moved to Destin, I'd have times of probably light depression – I'd be between jobs because I was always an entrepreneur, so I, I wasn't working for somebody else. And and it would just get stressful, and Paige would be dogging me, go out and get a job, go get a job, go do something, go work at McDonald's. And so I would leave in the mornings, but I wouldn't go look for a job. I'd head out to Lake Chacomo and sit on the bluffs, pray for hours, talking to God, trying to find answers. I wanted to find my why. It was a lot like Ken. See, Ken's why was a better way of life. He said, my deepest desire is that none of my de my uh, descendants go through the same experiences of poverty and pain that I had felt. Man, I remember my mama used to shop at the Sears outlet stores. One year I got a pair of bell-bottom pants, and they were cool. Except one leg was shorter than the other, so when I'd go to school, I'd I'd wear them at, at an angle. I looked like a gunslinger, so that they looked like they were the same length. We we're just tight on funds. I, I know what Ken was talking about, but something happened to Ken through the time period. He was reading a book, Joel Osteen's book, "Being a Better, Becoming a Better You." He said this book had a big impact on me. He said, Olstein said that even though that's the way it is, people have the ability to break the cycle by deciding to take action, to stop whatever that reoccurring generational pattern is, and to move forward. I agree with that. See, I just flat decided one day enough's enough. I'm going to do everything in my power to become somebody, to be somebody, not to not to be working for the man, not to... Not to follow in my dad's footsteps of being a union guy. 
not working for a corporation. I'm going to work for myself. And you know what? This started at a young age. I probably got the, the, the bug when I was 12 selling Christmas cards door to door. By 16, I was repairing TVs. I was selling Mason shoes. By 18, I was in Primerica, and I've never looked back. One of my mentors passed away yesterday at 55 of leukemia, Chet Holmes, one of the greatest trainers in sales there is. I just loved it. I wanted to be my own boss. I know where Ken was coming from on that. Ken went into law enforcement. I became a bounty hunter. And it's interesting because we have similar stories. This is why when you look for mentors, you find mentors that you can relate with. And Ken talks about when he was young, he went into a store, he needed new tennis shoes. So he took his old tennis shoes off, put the new tennis shoes on, and decided it was a good exchange program and walked out. He got stopped by the security guard at the door, not because of the tennis shoes, but because he thought he'd stolen some watches. He, the security guard was so engrossed in that he thought he stole watches, he never saw the tennis shoes. But Ken tells a story. He says, when I left there, I knew for once that I never wanted that feeling that my life had flashed before me ever again. I never wanted to take the risk going to jail. I was, a, I was a little bit older than Ken. I was 15, 16, and a couple of my friends worked for Sears Department Store, and they were running this scam back then because back then there wasn't computers, so everything was written up on a, on a return slip that had three parts. And these guys had figured out that they only used two of the three parts and that, that the last two were interchangeable. Whether it was pink or yellow, you could go downstairs to the to the refund desk and they'd give you the money back. And they worked in the hardware department where you didn't get a lot of refunds, but when they'd get a big refund in, they'd write it up and the people would go down and get their refunds and then they'd call me and say, hey, if you come in and get this refund, we can get a little extra money for gas and, and we can go out and party tonight. I remember the first time that I did it was the last time I did it. I was so freaking nervous. I was so scared. I said, guys, I can't do this, man. This, this, I don't like this feeling. A few months later, one of my friends quit at the job. The other one was busted and was banned from Sears stores for several years. I knew right then, man, I am not going down this path. This sucked. See, it's amazing what you learn. It's amazing whenever you're, you're focusing on some stuff, what can happen. Ken went on, and he married Julie. She was finishing up her nursing degree. I went on and married Paige. She was working on her child development degree. But like both of us, this is the interesting thing. He says babies change everything. And that's what happened to me. See, before my kids came along, all I really had to worry about was me. Didn't really have to worry about anybody else. Then all of a sudden, there was a lot more to worry about, a lot more to think about. I was busting my butt working as a bail bond agent, trying to sell jewelry on the side. I had a pretty good route. We were selling authentic duplicated stuff, you know. If, if, if I think we call them knockoffs. I was selling fake Gucci's and fake, fake Rolexes and fake everything. Now, I had real stuff, too. We were Cabbage Patch Kids were real big. We were selling those. We were selling... Michael Jackson victory tour tickets at a scalped price. I mean, 
you know, we were into, I told you I was into sales. Trying to do everything. And sometimes when you're doing that, you don't become very good at anything. But all of a sudden, you start looking for real mentors. Deep mentors. In Ken's case, he was introduced to network marketing. It was 2003. Things were kicking up. Things were looking good. Now, he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't too hip on network marketing. Now, this is where our paths are a little different. I love network marketing. I saw what it did to my mom. Ken didn't like network marketing because he'd worked a Ponzi case and thought all networkers were whacked out, even the legitimate ones. But something happened, and he joined. A good friend of his that was bringing him a lot of real estate, and he was the mortgage broker on it, and they were making lots of money. He said, man, I'm doing 100 grand a month. This is You need to get in here. So Ken got in. But he was mentored... And, and and this is what happens. He got mentored by somebody that had a personality like his. See, when you're a cop, when you're a bounty hunter, any of that, a lot of things happen. Power. You're in charge. You're in control. You get very cynical about life. You see everything black and white. It's either your way or the highway. If you can't cut it, get the heck out. That's the mindset. That's how Ken Dunn was. Just rocking. My way or the highway. Not 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 the traditional system. Hey, use our system, man. Get on board. Let's work together. This was you do it my way, or you're not in my business. But something was taking place and he didn't even realize it. And one day over Christmas about a year into his business, and he was cranking it out. He has finally gotten there. He was earning a hundred grand a month. A couple of his top reps came to his house. He thought they were bringing him gifts. Now that's that's a typical dictatorial leader, but they had empty hands. When he invited them in, they they said, "No, we just got to tell you something real quick. We quit." It was like shell shock. What do you mean you quit? Why are you quitting? And both of them kind of simultaneously said, you. And then they went on to tell him that the man who'd been mentoring him was an outright villain. He was just in it for the money, and they felt that I had developed the same personality. They walked away, and so did 90% of my downline. Ken had a metamorphosis, an epiphia, if you will. He broke down and started crying humiliated, humbling, all of a sudden just slammed upside the head. He was told what a butt, what a jackass he was. They pointed out some real serious flaws, and this is where we get into some deep stuff real quick. He started realizing, I'm a screw-up, what am I going to do? And he started focusing in on things that he had to change he knew he had to improve himself. He went to some friends, and the first person, he said, can you, can you tell me some things about me? You've known me for a few years. He said, yeah, man, you're arrogant, egotistical, self-centered, argumentative, controlling, ignorant. You really don't care about people. So he thought, man, let me get a second opinion. Went to a second person. 
They said you're self-serving, demanding, too aggressive. You use nasty language. You're abrasive. You're condescending. When I read these words, it was like looking in a daggum mirror. Then he went and he talked to people that knew him less than two years. Or less than five years, I should say. And they said the same thing. You don't care about others. You're money-focused. You're moody, belligerent, control freak, dictator, greedy. you got a nasty personality. You're self-serving and you push too hard. Second person told him, you talk too much, you put others down, you argue too much with others, always point out others' weaknesses. You lose patience too fast, you need to be more relaxed, you're too uptight, and you're too daggum controlling. He thought, well, these people just don't know me. I'm going to go to somebody that's known me all my life, and he went to his cousin. He said, well, that's simple. You're too tenacious, you're too aggressive, you're too hard on people, you're arrogant, you're money-hungry. Your decisions are all about yourself. You're greedy, self-centered, belligerent, push to others too much, and you don't care about anybody else. All of a sudden, he realized, I'm a screwed-up mess. i got to change. One of his partners that stuck it out with him said, you know, we need to, we need to be cruising into Mexico. And, and Ken met a man that I've known from a distance, Juan Carlos. One of the greatest network marketing in, in Mexico, in a country that... During this time period, the, the peso was being devalued, and yet he was earning around $50,000 a month U.S. dollars. He'd retired a little bit, and he started, he started working with Ken. And it's funny. Let me tell you, share with you what Ken writes, because I thought this was so awesome. He said, we ended up building a really significant friendship in the coming months and years, and it all started from that one conversation. After that meeting, Juan Carlos came into the industry again and went back to work. And within six months, he had built the largest downline in our company in Mexico. I was flying back and forth to Mexico every month to work with him. This was the kind of mentor that I was looking for. A mentor that was in his downline. Hello, listen to that, folks. Mentors don't have to be in your upline. They can be cross-line, downline. Richard Brooke, who is one of my dearest, dearest friends and mentors, kicks me in the butt. It seems like we can go three or four months not talking and pick up a conversation. Has taught me so much and helped correct me in a lot of ways. Tom Hopp, who took me in after I did his first book, has been such a godsend to me and helped me tweak. One of them owns a company, one of them's a trainer, none of them has been in my organization. What Ken learned from Juan Carlos, he taught me to openly love and express myself to others how to show them that I really do care about them, and how to praise people and build the business through passion. He says, what you'll find is that mentors will come into your life at the time and in ways that you don't expect. I realized that I didn't know how to love people, that, and I never told Juan Carlos this, but he was all about love, and he built very strong alliances with his groups. Ken had had an, a humiliating experience and those 40 points had been thrown out to him by people, and he knew he was a mess. But Juan Carlos came along and began teaching me about people and how to be a better person. And even though he was in my downline and I was his upline, he always was praising me and telling me what a great person I was. I, Ken said, I observed how he interacted with people and how everyone loved him. He was just an amazing human being. He's built a big business. We built an incredible friendship, and along the way, he taught me what love was all about. 
But this is the coolest part about this first chapter. He said, Then on Easter of 2005, my wife Julie, who I can never say enough about, and when she reads this, I want it to be another way that I express how much I love her and owe her for sticking with me through all these difficult experiences, gave me a stencil. A little saying on a piece of plastic with a popsicle stick-like thing that to rub it up and down on the wall. The word was from Gandhi. He goes, as I write this book, I'm looking at it now. I look at it at least ten times a day, and I make sure that I think about it, and I say it a few times every day. He said, it reads this, You must be the change you wish to see in the world. Ken said this one quote, this one small gift, Perhaps she gave it to me as a sign of appreciation. Maybe she saw that, saw it, knew I would, I was changing, and thought it was relevant. Whatever the reason, she put it into my life, and it's done amazing things. And that's where my journey begins. See, it's interesting when you start to go on a journey: spiritual, physical, mental health, psychological. All of a sudden, things happen. One small phrase, you must be the change you wish to see in the world, was what did it for Ken. For me, it was really a a phrase from John Maxwell that read, you need to use the 101% rule. Find 1% that you can agree on, give it 100% of your effort. That triggered a thought of what the golden rule was all about. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then I read a book by Tim, Tim Sanders the former chief solutions officer at Yahoo, who said love is the killer app. And then I met Ken Dunn and realized, wow, here's somebody that's made the same screwed up mistakes that I have. I can learn from him. Ken and I have become friends. He's actually a client now. They're launching a new business, and he gave me this book and said, Troy, I think it will change your life, not because I wrote it, but because of what I learned in it. And he's right. Tomorrow, we'll be in Chapter 2, talking about how Gandhi changed Ken's life and what we can learn from one of the most inspirational leaders of the 20th century. It should be interesting as we move forward. Folks, thanks for hanging out here on the Beachside CEO. We are heard around the world on the Home Business Radio Network, the voice of positive, powered radio. Take some time tomorrow and be with us right here at 9 a.m. Live life like it's an epic adventure. Stay dangerous, stay strong. And if you're in network marketing, act like it.